Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome back, fight fans, to the BTR Boxing Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sean, and I'm flying solo for this episode. This is the first time I've done a solo podcast episode, probably in about three years. No Johnston this week. We've got no Lukey as a great stand-in, and no Chris Wardrobe either, unfortunately. Timings just don't work out, and you know unforeseen circumstances happen, so it's just me. It's just me literally talking to you for the next 30 minutes about the big fight for this week, which I've got to say, I'm really excited for Chris Eubank Jr., Connor Ben. I will be doing a preview, but don't despair because later on in the week, we will be doing a little bit of a special, the Eubank and Ben, the sins of our fathers. We're going to be talking about Eubank and Ben, the seniors and their battles. We've covered one of them for Legendary Nights. We thought we'd do a little bit of a special later on in the week, so you will get Johnston back for that. But this is all about the preview for the fight itself, and like I said, I'm genuinely excited for the fight. I think it's not a fight that initially I was sold on. I can't say I'm overly sold on it now. I know I did a podcast about it, you know, a few weeks back when it was first announced, and I was saying, like, weight differences are there for a reason, and I still agree with that however as the fight week is upon us I'm just genuinely intrigued to see how this actually plays out you know for me the safety of Chris Eubank Jr is really paramount and I understand why his dad's on about pulling him out of the fight you know is it is it a charade or is it mind games or is he genuinely worried about him I mean the guy has never made that limit before is what is it 157 157 and a half he's got to make and then there's the rehydration clause where he can't go over a certain amount when he puts weight back on so the disadvantages are all there 
for Eubank, and it favours Ben, really, because he's just coming up. He hasn't got to lose the weight. He's got to just put the extra bit of muscle on, really. You know, I don't think it can be too difficult to, you know, add the weight on as opposed to actually cutting it. And I think any boxer will probably tell you that it is more difficult to try and cut the weight than it is to actually add it on. I think it's easy to add it on, to be honest with you. I mean, I only have to look in the direction of a chocolate bar, you know, and I've put about five pounds on. So I'm pretty sure most people will feel exactly the same when it comes to putting the weight on. Making the weight is is very difficult. And obviously Eubank Jr. has been talking about he's only going to be at 60% and he's wearing the T-shirts, 60%. I don't know what people's thoughts are on the whole Eubank Jr. on social media eating burgers and steaks and he was having that steak from that salt bay you know I just I thought it was quite funny to be honest with you you know seeing the the social media antics of Eubank Jr but you have to question whether it is legit or whether it is pre-recorded videos that he's just now posting out just to make it look like he's gonna struggle to make the way it kind of gives you that mind games interpretation about the whole thing you know like why is he putting it out there is he just trying to play with Connor Ben is he just I don't know I, I honestly don't know what the antics are all about but as the fight is upon us you know I am excited because I do see this being a real scrap I really do I think no matter what happens in this fight we're gonna get moments in it where it is going to be toe-to-toe and we know how Eubank Jr he can take a punch his, his chin holds up like his dad's Connor Ben you know he's much like his father in the sense that he's more of a dangerous animal when he's wounded and we've seen that on a number of occasions but for Connor he's he's a much improved fighter he's one of the most improved fighters in the UK and I've got to applaud the progression levels that he has taken in the past two to three years to really put his career in a position where I was thinking about him fighting, you know, like a Keith Thurman or, or somebody like that in the welterweight division. Yes, this is a risky fight for the both of them. It is. And I'm not completely sold on that element of it with the weight difference. But you can't deny the fact that, you know, these guys have got famous boxing fathers who had a great rivalry themselves. And, you know, this day was something that I did foresee a few years ago. I think when Conor Ben got into boxing, I always thought maybe one day this fight would happen. I didn't envisage it to be at a catchweight scenario, to be honest. I thought maybe, you know, Conor Ben would go up and get Eubank maybe when he's 35, 36. But look, they're doing it now. There's nothing we can do about it. Whether we like it or we don't like it, or whether we agree or disagree, it's fight week, it's happening. I suppose now, you know, for me personally, it's kind of just trying to get engaged in it as much as I possibly can. You know, I genuinely worry about fighters when they have to put themselves at such deficit to try and get themselves ready for a fight. And it makes you worry about what that effect could have on them inside of the ring. And like I said earlier, Eubank Jr. is talking about being at 60%. But he said on Good Morning Britain, oh, 60%, I'll still beat him at 60%. That 60% is enough to beat Conor Ben. That's what he's saying. So it is going to be an intriguing fight. And... I suppose now for me, it's it's all about looking at how this fight could be won on both parts. So going into a little bit of a keys to victory section with the fight, if I'm looking at Conor Ben and how he goes about winning this fight, do I see him knocking Eubank out in this fight is the first question I ask myself. There's a possibility if he struggles with the weight so badly 
that he has exhausted himself and he's drained to the point that his punch resistance wanes in the fight. Yeah, it's a possibility. Logically, I can't see how he would actually be able to knock him out in the sense that Eubank's chin is just so solid and so tested and nobody's really hurt him to that level where you think to yourself, he's going to be knocked out here. The guy hasn't been knocked out in his career. He's got a solid chin like his dad. So I think it's going to be uh, an interesting fight for Conor Ben because he's going to want to try and knock him out. He really is. I I think he's going to want to put that statement in there, you know, that he can stop Eubank. But if I'm Conor Ben, I wouldn't be looking at it from that perspective. I would want to box my way to victory in this fight and outclass and humble Eubank Jr., essentially humiliate him in that fashion where he can completely outbox him. In his last few fights, the likes of Algerian Van Herden and Granados and Vargas, he's shown his boxing ability is a bit more refined than what it was a couple of years ago. And I think, yes, he doesn't have the natural advantages in terms of weight and size and height, etc. But he's certainly used to fighting slightly bigger guys so is this going to be too much different for him as he had the right sparring for this fight I'm sure he will have had bigger more tougher sparring partners than he's had before guys that are maybe two weights above him like middleweight super middleweight guys I'm sure he's been fighting those guys in the gym or sparring those guys in the gym in preparation for this fight so I can't honestly say it will be too much of a problem for him to to land on Eubank Jr., but it's whether the punches are going to be effective enough. And it will all depend upon Jr.'s punch resistance, whether the weight detriment will have any effect on that punch resistance. So if I'm Conor Ben, I'm looking at taking my time, I'm looking at trying to get in on the inside, land the shots, land the scoring shots, box my way in, use my jab, get on the inside, throw body shots, bamboozle Eubank, get out again. There's going to be points where it isn't always going to be possible for him to do that. And there might be points where he does have to engage. More than likely, he will want to engage. He will want to give us a tear-up because he'll want it himself. You can see it in Conor Ben's eyes. You can hear it in what he says in his interviews about this fight. He wants to have that tear-up. He wants to have that legacy-defining tear-up. Personally, like I said, it's not for me. I would like to see him in the welterweight division continuing on and continuing to go through that progression that he's gone through but it's a fight that obviously people have wanted people have accepted it the promoters certainly won't shy away from making money from the fight so and both parties they've agreed to it so what's more to say than that really about the differences in in the weight again it sounds like I'm contradicting myself because I feel like when I put that clip out a few weeks back but about five six weeks ago when I talked about the weight differences are for a reason and there were people that agreed with me on that statement there were some that obviously disagreed with me on that statement look at the end of the day I don't think they should be fighting each other because of the weight differences I think they should be sticking to their own weights I've never changed my opinion on that but the fight's here I can't change it comments from someone like me isn't going to change it you know nobody's going to listen to those comments you you guys might agree some of you might disagree with it but nothing's going to change. This fight's happening. So, like I said earlier, you've got to try and get yourself engaged and really understand how this fight could go down. So I've talked a little bit about Conor Ben and, and how I think he could win this fight and how I think he could potentially do it. Not mentioned Eubank yet. So, 
looking at Eubank, looking at his previous performances, looking at where he's at, and looking at the potential weight deficit that could cause problems within the fight, I can honestly see this being a fight where Eubank is slow to start it. And I think it's going to take Conor Ben to come at him for him to come out of his shell a little bit. His last performance, a UD over Liam Williams in February of this year. And prior to that, his most significant fight was in 2019 against Matvey Korobov. For me, that was the last time he was he was significant in boxing. And now we're three years on and he's having to take a fight with a guy two weights lower than him to get himself in that position where people will stand up and look at him. So what can Chris Eubank Jr. do in this fight that is going to be effective? Well, he's got the advantages of being a bigger guy. I think he's a pretty solid puncher. He's obviously got a solid chin. Take into consideration the weight deficit. How much will that weigh in his punch resistant, if any? Will it take away any of his power? Obviously, we don't know until they get in the ring. I mean, if he's just sort of fighting, as he says, at 60%, he certainly still gives Ben a really, really tough fight and potentially hurts him throughout the fight. That's something that people have commented on when I've put the clip out on social media about how Eubank's a bigger puncher, how he's going to hurt Ben, how he's going to stop Ben, how it's too much to chew for Ben. And I agree to disagree with some people. I agree that, you know, there is a potential for Eubank to really hurt Ben in this fight. But again, it all really boils down to this weight issue. This is this the big thing for me with this fight is, how does Eubank look on the scales at the end of the week? Does he struggle? Does he make the weight comfortably? Does he look gaunt? Does he look like he really needs to go and put some weight on very quickly? Does he look dehydrated? Obviously, these are things I can't answer and go off now. I can only go off what I know about the two fighters at this moment in time. And for Eubank, he's certainly got the boxing IQ and the boxing ability to make it an easier night for him against Ben. If Ben comes in with a game plan of charging in at him and not using, as I was saying earlier, his own boxing ability, then it's going to make it an easier night for Eubank. Eubank can pick him off and the shots don't have to be totally solid. He could pick him off and let Conor Ben come at him and just counterpunch his way through the fight, potentially hurt him with a sneaky shot as he's coming in. But it really depends on on both of the game plans and how they adapt to this fight. And I honestly think at some point there is going to be a toe-to-toe battle between the two. And that could be the defining part of the fight, which then leads on to how the fight could potentially end. Whether it goes the distance or whether it ends up being a, a KO later on down the line. And it's a tough fight to split and it's a tough fight to predict because, you know, in, in, on one side of the coin, you know, I'm looking at Ben having that aggression, having it controlled, using his boxing ability and thinking, you know, he could potentially stop Eubank late if the weight is really a problem for Eubank. Or he could box his way to a unanimous decision, potentially a split decision, and Conor Ben could quite easily win this. But then on the other side of it, I look at Chris Eubank and I think, well, Chris Eubank's got the ability to make this an easy fight for himself. He's got the boxing IQ to be able to outsmart and out-hustle Conor Ben. But can he do it in the fight? Or can he hurt Conor Ben in the fight? Can he make a statement earlier on that stops Conor Ben from coming at him? That stops Conor Ben in his tracks? Can he hurt him? Can he put him down? It's all possible. There are endless possibilities with how this fight goes down. And it's really tough for me to make a prediction on how I think the fight is going to go down. In my mind, I see two possible scenarios with this particular fight. The one scenario is that Conor Ben bullies and batters Eubank around the ring 
and possibly stops him late. And then on the other scenario, I see Eubank just using all of his boxing IQ, his ring ability, just to make it look easier and show people why there are weight differences in boxing. The problem with this fight as well is that if Conor Ben wins it, then people are going to start calling out for these catchweight fights even more, which is not really what, as a fan, I want to see. Now, I know like we do a lot of boxing history here on the network, and I know we talk about you know fighters that fought guys who were like 50 pounds heavier. Example, Jack Dempsey, Jess Willard in 1919. That particular fight, Jess Willard was apparently 50 pounds heavier than Jack Dempsey, but yet Jack Dempsey floors him, annihilates him, becomes the world champion. So, okay, you know, there is possibilities that the weight differences in some instances won't make a difference, but I just think with this day and age, the way they nutrition themselves, the way they put the body through certain rigorous trainings that they didn't do back then, I think it's you've got to be very careful. And there is the issue of dehydrating yourself so much to get to a weight that you're starving the brain of oxygen and if you starve the brain of oxygen we've seen so many sad instances of this happening with weight drained fighters where it's eventually led to them having permanent brain damage as a result of it so that's my biggest concern that's why i'm a little bit well more than a little bit opposed to the fight happening because i worry about it i worry about what this could do for eubank jr and this could destroy his career this could with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Potentially, and it sounds extreme, it could end his life. Do you know, this could this could end his life, this fight, if his weight isn't looked after and he struggles with it and Conor Ben lands a sustained amount of punishment on the guy. Do you know, it's, it's horrible to think about it and maybe people think I'm overstretching the mark a little bit. I just worry about, like, seeing some sort of incident which is just going to leave a really bad mark on boxing. I just hope it isn't this fight and I just hope that, you know, they both go into it healthy and they both come out of it as healthy as they can be after punching each, punching each other for, for 12 rounds potentially. So, yeah, I am I am concerned. I, well, I am opposed to the fight. It's happening though. As I've said many times, can't get away from that fact. If I'm going to predict the fight and I'm going to stick any money on this fight, I'd be looking at a sneaky Conor Ben win here. I think I'd be looking at a late Conor Ben stoppage, to be honest with you. Maybe not so much a knockout per se, but maybe a TKO where the referee has to step in to stop the onslaught. I think that's what I'm going to go with for this fight. Contrary to what maybe you might think about what I've said about the weight differences, if I'm thinking about how this fight's going to go down and I'm thinking, who is, who wants this more? Who really wants this more? And I think Conor Ben really wants this more. So, we'll see. Conor Ben's my pick for this fight. I think he does win. I think he stops him late. But, as I've said, Chris Eubank Jr. could make this a very easy fight and show us how good he is as a boxer. It remains to be seen. I'm looking forward to coming back later in the week and talking with Johnston uh, a bit more about this fight, getting his opinion, his prediction, and also talking about their father's fights, the two fights that have been etched in British boxing history. So, that's the main fight for this big feet 
big fight preview. But there are many other fights that I wanted to bring to the attention of you, the listeners, for this weekend. So on the undercard, we've got Mary Romero versus Ellie Scottney. EBU European Super Bantamweight title on the line. Felix Cash back in action in the middleweight division against 17-0 Connor Coyle. Galalia Fai versus Gohan Rodriguez Garcia. WBC International Flyweight title. Chloe Watson 3-0 against Nancy Franco. Harlem Eubank is on the undercard against David Martin Campillo. Shannon Cook back in action, Lyndon Arthur also back in action and the debut of George Liddard on this particular card as well so you know there's some okay fights it's not the greatest pay-per-view card that's the one thing I will say everybody that's paying for this is only paying for this one fight the card itself isn't strong in my opinion again just my humble opinion you could disagree with it I think most of you as (laughs) well I think most of you will agree that it's a pretty poor card for the fact that we've got to pay for this fight And I suppose that's if you really want to pay for this fight. But I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out overall. And obviously we'll come back next week and give our reactions on it. So that is the main card of the week. And that's the main part of the big fight preview. However, also on Saturday, Sam Eggington defends his IBO World Super Welterweight Championship against a really good opponent in Dennis Hogan. And I think this is a really good fight for Sam Eggington. People might argue that he's past his best, but Dennis Hogan, man, he had a tough run of fights. I mean, he fought Jaime Munguia, 2019, Jamel Charlo, 2019, Tim Zhu, 2021, and he's coming off the back of two unanimous decisions, whereas Sam Eggington, again, at this stage of his career, it feels like he's been around forever, has captured that IBO title in his last fight. And he looked good in doing so. He was very dominant in that fight against Zisk to win the IBO title. And we did say, me and Johnson, when we were talking about Sam Eggington, like, you know, this could be a chance for him to go on to have a potentially big money fight and sort of see out his career and make himself financially stable. And he's still only 28. But I do worry about the sustained punishment he takes in the ring as well. But I think against Dennis Hogan, he's got a chance here to solidify himself as the IBO champion and then look for a bigger fight because Dennis Hogan's fought good names of the division, top, top names of the division, which would then make Sam Eggington look better if he did a number on him in this fight. However, I think Dennis Hogan is a really slick boxer and a good boxer and I think he could cause Eggington some problems. So that is happening also on Saturday. In terms of times for the UK, I'm unsure as to what time we'll be getting it. It's usually, for us in the UK, it's usually a sort of one, two o'clock in the afternoon we get it on. But it'll be interesting to see how that fight goes down. It is one I am looking forward to tuning in for. So I would definitely recommend for UK fight fans in particular that you get onto that and obviously our Australian fans for the podcast you guys that listen to us I'm sure you'll be cheering on your man in Dennis Hogan well in America this weekend there's a stack of shows going on but the one that stands out to me is headlined by Sebastian Fundora versus Carlos Ocampo, WBC interim world super welterweight title on the line. Obviously, we know Fundora, he's the absolute giant of the super welterweight division. Naturally, doesn't look like he should be in that division, but yet he has just gone through the division and proven that it doesn't matter that he's really big and tall and gangly he's very effective I mean he had Ericsson Lubin retire in his corner in the last fight he absolutely battered the hell out of him in terms of his face it was an absolute mess prior to that 
he beat the previously undefeated and fancied Sergio Garcia. So he's had two back-to-back great victories, and now he's got this WBC interim title. He's facing off against a guy who I think will give him a test, a guy that has only got that one defeat on his record earlier on in his career to Errol Spence Jr. So obviously, he's fought at a higher weight and has come down into the super welterweight division and you know since that loss he's on a good run you know he's, he's knocked quite a few of the fighters out he's faced you know he, in his last three fights he's knocked out his opponents so you know he's not a bad opponent at all you know he could cause some problems for Sebastian Fundora however I'm going with Sebastian Fundora because I just think he's shown that he's literally and I say this in a literal sense he's head and shoulders above a lot of the fighters in this division. And I think as good of a test as it'll be for him, I think this is going to be another way to showcase him as a fighter and sort of put his name out there for that fight with Charlo or Zoo, whoever wins that fight in January 2023. That is certainly going to be what he's going to be vying for now. So if he gets a good performance here, I'm sure he'll be waiting in the wings for the winner of Charlo versus Zoo. On that undercard, the return of Edges Kavalowskis. I think I've got that right against Michael Fox. Brandon Lynch, a fighter that I'm well aware of as well. And there is quite a few other fighters. Carlos Ademes, Fernando Daniel Martinez. They're facing off against Juan Macias Montiel and Herwin Ancaras, respectively. So there's some good fights on this particular card. So it's definitely worth tuning in for the American card in the early hours of Sunday morning, or obviously Saturday night for you in America. Some decent fights going on there as well this weekend. So, you know, we're not at a loss as to some good fights happening this weekend. It's been a bit of a lull because we haven't had any big fights coming up for the past weekend. And I hate when that happens because... I don't think anybody knows what to do with himself, especially boxing fans. You'll just find them all on Twitter, like, just tweeting about, like, what fights could have been or, you know, who should be fighting who or the Fury Joshua negotiations that are still going on. And at the time of recording this, now they're saying it's off again and now they're saying that Chisora has been offered a contract for the fight on December the 3rd. So... God knows what's going on with this. It is absolutely ridiculous that, you know, we can't get an outcome yet again. And I genuinely, again, was sucked into believing that we might just get an outcome with this and we might just actually get a response that we want for a change rather than, you know, them teasing us, completely teasing us, and then us not getting the fight that we want to see. It's looking likely, again, now he's going back to the Chisora fight, which it's not the fight I want. Good for Chisora, good payday for Chisora. That's what he wants, but it ain't good for boxing fans. It ain't good for the sport necessarily because it just delays us potentially getting this fight. It could turn into one of them fights that never happen. Like, there's so many fights like that that just never end up happening. Riddick Bowe, Lennox Lewis, prime example in the heavyweight division. You know, a fight that should have really happened, prime for prime, didn't happen. This is the thing. People are saying on our videos, like the YouTube videos that we put out, the short clips that we've been putting out, you know, like, Fury is ducking AJ, or what can you do if AJ is ducking Fury? Well, how do you know that one of them is ducking the other? None of us will truly ever know that. None of us will truly ever know if anybody's ducking anybody. At the end of the day, as we were saying in our little bit of a raw ranting episode last week... At the end of the day, it's the guys in the background that are doing the work. It's the guys in the background that are supposed to do the work to make the fight happen, rather than going on to different radio stations or media outlets and complaining about it. 
do you know, I know these guys want the interviews and they want the numbers and they want the hits for it. And don't get me wrong, sometimes we're in that same boat. But these guys, these promoters, the Hearns, the Warrens, you know, they're not really telling us anything we want to know at the moment. That's the thing. They're just kind of giving us a generic answer. And you're getting that generic answer about 10 times over because 10 different media outlets are interviewing him. So it's quite frustrating, to be honest. Like, I don't pay much attention to that side of it. I'll read any statements that go out. But I'm not going to sit there and watch every single media outlet interview Eddie Hearn or Frank Warren because they're just going to say the same stuff like they always do. They just say the same things to keep everybody... They give some well. What they do is they give people tidbits, don't they? They give them tidbits to go away and report on and talk about and keep people talking about the fight. That's that's what they do. That's their job. They promote the fights. Like Johnson went on a proper X-rated rant last week about Frank Warren, and you know there's a few people again on YouTube. They don't agree with Johnston. That's fine. You're entitled to your own opinion there. But at the end of the day, that's his opinion on him now. Like I know Frank Warren. I know that he's come up from nothing and he's worked hard and you know he's a bit of a pioneer in the British boxing scene as was Mickey Duff before him do you know for me he's at a point in his promoting career where I don't think he does what's right for the fighters anymore like look at the fighters he had the Calzaghis the Hattons look how much he bloody marinated them and the big fights didn't happen for them until later on in the careers like there's a reason why that was the case and I think it was because he kept him going and going and going and he knew these guys were superstars and he knew he'd make money off them and I think that's kind of what I try to put across with my conversation about certain promoters like that's how I interpret Warren I think he's got to a point where his biggest fighters barring Tyson Fury you know where are they now like he used to have an absolutely fantastic stable back in the early to mid 2000s and obviously all across the 90s but now you know he struggles to get these top, top, top stars. And when he does get them, a lot of the time they just get fed journeymen or guys that really they shouldn't even be fighting. So that's where the frustration comes from as well from my side, as opposed to Johnston, who just has that obviously opinion of promoters that they're just out for money and that's all they care about. And I I agree with him to a degree. And it, it just makes me laugh how when people have them comments on YouTube, that's fine, you can do it. We put it on there so people can see it and people can have their own opinions and they can differ in the opinions of what we're saying. But, you know, to sit there and, and say something about somebody you think you know, like, people get really defensive over it. Like, people are saying, oh, you're just, you're just jealous of what Frank's done. And I was like, well, no, it's got nothing to do with that at all. We're just basically stating what we feel he is doing in this sport or not doing for this sport essentially and that that's where the problem lies like there are people in this sport that are not doing or in it for the right reasons anymore they might have once been they might have once had the greatest stable ever and the greatest superstars of boxing but people like frank don't anymore people like eddie yeah he's perfect someone said on one of the comments i think it was on tiktok oh well you're not even mentioned eddie hearn i was like yeah okay we've not mentioned him but we've mentioned him many, many times over the course of the last few years of doing this podcast together, me and Johnston. He isn't perfect either. You know, this guy can sell sand to the Arabs. He can talk his, well, he can talk a glass eye to sleep. That is just him. That's what he does. And I don't think he always looks after the fighters either. And I think that's the point Johnston's trying to make with the promoter side of things. 
Anyway, that's enough of me rambling on about promoters for this week. We did it last week. We're not doing it every week. We're not going to be continuously going on these huge rants. I just felt compelled to mention it again, just because there has been a few comments in the midst of us putting the little short clips out on social media. So I thought it was only right to, you know, add my 10 pence into the situation as well. And people saying, oh, what's this fool talking about? Well, he knows what he's talking about. He's entitled to his opinion. You're entitled to your opinion. If you don't agree with it, don't comment. It's as simple as that. Or go somewhere else and comment on someone else's stuff. If you're going to comment on it, at least make it productive. You know, if you're going to have an argument about something or a debate about what you think about a certain individual in the sport, you know, at least come come at us with a little bit of factual information rather than just saying, yeah, Frank's a legend, mate, and you don't know nothing. Well, what basis is he a legend? You know, what? why is he a legend? What's your justification of a legend? Like, it does make me laugh. It really does make me laugh sometimes when people just make these sort of spur-of-the-moment comments with no substance behind him. Well, that is pretty much it for my little rant on promoters once again. Uh, in terms of fights this weekend, there isn't any more fights to mention. If there are a couple that I have missed, then obviously apologies for that, but I think I've covered the biggest ones this weekend. The ones that people are most looking forward to this weekend and there's quite a few of them there's quite a few indeed to tune into sam eggington in australia defending against dennis hogan we've talked about fundora versus ocampo in america we've talked about ben versus eubank and that's how i'd like to end this episode is just finalizing the big fight preview i've mentioned my ways in which i think both of these men can win what my thoughts are on the fight as a whole and how i think this fight could actually play out now my prediction could actually turn out to be absolutely garbage and and that happens end of the day i can't genuinely predict for sure that this fight will go down the way it is we're on monday at the point of recording here and by friday we're going to know by the way in how much of a detriment this weight deficit is going to have and by thursday when we release our next episode we'll know a little bit more from the presses so you know as the week goes on we'll get to find out a little bit more about how it goes down and you know essentially people do change their mind people do change the picks and it can happen but as it stands based on what i've seen of both of them based on what i think could happen in the fight and the potential weight detriment and issues that could cause that's why i'm going for Conor ben by like stoppage and you know like i say if it was a gambling man that's kind of where my money would be going it'd be on a late stoppage for Conor ben i'd be interested to know the odds for it actually i think that'd be quite interested to see how the bookies have this particular fight i'm sure as the week goes on it'll start to get short off of one fighter than the other so it will be interesting to to see how that plays out so that's it for the big fight preview episode ben versus eubank or eubank versus ben however you want to title it so i just want to say a big thank you to everybody for listening i hope it wasn't too dreary for you to go for a flying solo episode and i'm sure we'll have johnston back next week for the reaction show he'll be back later in the week for the special preview that we're doing on ben versus eubank i'm looking forward to doing that one with him and of course we've got all our series based content already out there the latest career profile on jack dempsey is up and available to listen to you can also tune in to seasons one two and three of legendary nights and seasons one and two of the darker side of boxing and just on a side note, the Darker Side of Boxing, we will be making an announcement about that very shortly, about how that's going to proceed for its next series. So please keep an eye on the social media channels for that. And please do support us and please make sure you do share 
all the episodes that you see. If you see the tweet on there, make sure you just send a retweet out. If you see it on Facebook, give us a quick share. TikTok, wherever we post these episodes out, it'd be really appreciated if you could just click share, send it out there. Or if you want to put any commentary to it, good or bad, do that. It's fine. It's getting shared. That's the main thing. People are getting to hear our thoughts, feelings and opinions on it. A final shout out as always, to the patrons of the podcast and a big thank you to every single one of them for supporting us on our podcasting journey. You're allowing us to invest in better equipment, which we've done. You're allowing us to invest in new professionalised artwork, which we've done. You're allowing us to be able to purchase resources to actually do some more digging and diving into the archives to get the best possible episodes and the best possible legit factual stories out there. So again, a big thank you to you, as always, for supporting us and that's it i really hope you guys enjoy the big fight this weekend send us your predictions at btr boxing pod on twitter or on facebook or you can comment on instagram or tiktok or on the youtube channel just let us know what your predictions are really interested to see what people think about it all and that's it for this episode fight fans thank you for listening and we'll see you later on in the week for the special Podcast Network.